0: Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. It's a good thing to stand in His presence on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Before you're seated, I want you to look at somebody to your right, to your left, to your front, to your back and tell them, same sign, new day. And you can be seated right where you are. If you're in the chat, make sure you put it in the chat. It's the same sign, even though it's a new day. We've been in this series on Jesus' habits. We've been talking about the habits... Of Jesus, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to be a person who lives a life replicating the life that we saw Jesus live. Who knows if you live with anybody long enough, it doesn't take very long to pick up on some of the habits that that person has. We all have some observable habits in our life. If you've ever had a roommate, you know that it doesn't take too long to figure out the rhythm of their day, the rhythm of their life, the habits that they happen to live by. I had a roommate one time, a flatmate actually, because it's when I was in Australia, and she had a habit of leaving the light on in her room every single day. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but every day she would get up, she would leave her light on, she would leave for work, and then myself or our other roommate, because there were about four of us crammed up in this teeny tiny apartment living there, would go in and turn the light off. So she never knew that she was leaving her light on for about six months, and then finally one of us told her, hey, do you know you leave your light on every single day? Because it's easy to start observing the habits of someone else if you live in that space with them long enough, if you live close enough to them, the habits of the people you're living with become apparent to you. The people who were following Jesus lived close enough with him. The disciples walked with him long enough and close enough that these aren't just habits that they happened to make up. They didn't just talk about follow me as I follow the example of Christ In, in mystery terms. They were saying, no, there are some observable habits, some real life things that I saw Jesus do when I was walking with him. So by the time Paul is writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1 and 11, and he says, follow me as I follow Christ, he is saying, I am mimicking my life on some of the observable habits that have been passed down in this Christian faith. That as I talked to those who walked with him, as I talked with those who sat with him, as I talked with those who lived with him, these are the things that they told me that he had a habit of doing. This is what it means to live my life like Jesus. And Paul stood with confidence and said in the same way that I want to live my life imitating him, I encourage you to live your life imitating me as I imitate him. That as believers we should have a confidence in the way we are living our life. That it is a mirror of Jesus. That we are working to live a life replicating the habits that he has laid out. So over the last several weeks, we've looked at some of the habits. I hope you spend your life looking at the types of habits that Jesus had in his life, living your life as one who can say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We learned that Jesus came to serve. That the habit of Jesus' life was to be one, not seeking to be served, but seeking to serve others. He said, this is the reason that I have come, that I could serve many. And so as followers of Jesus, we live our lives looking, seeking, finding opportunities to serve others others to find ways where we can add value to others where we can be useful in a situation where we can come alongside someone else and lift them up not seeking ways that we can find ways for others to serve us but ways that we can serve others and then we learn that Jesus had a habit of prayer His habit of prayer was so apparent that when the disciples saw all of the wonderful, amazing things that he did, when they saw the way that he worked through trouble, when they saw the way that he performed miracles, when they saw the way that he sat and connected with people who no one else thought he should be connecting with, they didn't ask him all of these questions about those things. They asked him, tell us how you pray because they had observed him long enough to know there is something that's happening when you pray that spills out into the rest of your life. We want to know as we follow you, how do we replicate your habit of prayer? And then last week, Phil talked to us about the fact that Jesus had a habit of sitting down at tables with people. He had a habit of sitting down and sharing a meal with others. He had a way of fellowshipping with people in a very real, in a very practical way. And he gathered around tables with people that they thought that he should be gathering with. And he gathered around tables with people that they didn't think Jesus had very much business spending time with. And he gathered at tables with those who were lost. And he gathered at tables with those who had been found. And he thought found a way to sit down at tables together. And when he sat at those tables, one of the things he told us is when you remember me, this is where I want you to be when you remember me. I want you to be sitting at a table, that blows my mind. Because when I think of the ways that I want to remember Jesus, I often think of it with hands lifted, worshiping like we just did. I think of remembering Jesus maybe when I'm serving. And of course, we remember him in all of those ways. But when he said, this is the way that I want you to remember me, he said, I want you to sit at a table together. That's how I wanna be remembered. So the people who are followers of Jesus ought to have habits in their life of serving, ought to have habits in their life of praying, ought to have habits in their life of sitting at tables in fellowship together if we are gonna be people who say like Paul, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And some of the places that we look to get this example is we look in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are those who laid out for us what Jesus' earthly ministry looked like. How is it that Jesus lived his life? And they tell us all about it in their gospels. And I wanna look today at something that John said at the end of his gospel. I love the gospel of John, the way that he lays it out. We're gonna jump all the way to the end and then we're gonna jump all the way back to the beginning and walk through it today. If you look in John 20, today we're gonna talk about the fact that Jesus had a habit of doing miracles. And as followers of Jesus, we ought to have a habit of seeing the miraculous. As those who say, follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ, you cannot read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John's account of Jesus without saying, everywhere this man went, miracles followed. And by the time we get towards the end of the book of John, in John 20, 30 through 31, John says, that you may have life in his name. John said there are many other signs. Even all of the books in the world could not contain all of the signs that Jesus did as he walked around. But these signs I have written so that you may believe. Now if you know a little bit about Bible and how it's made up you know that Matthew, Mark and Luke follow a pretty similar pattern but John kind of does his own thing when he's writing out his gospel. I think that John is the gospel for the creative soul. He starts with all of this imagery type language. It's not factual in the way that Matthew enters his book. Matthew enters his book very factual walking through the historical lines. John enters with language that speaks to the creative soul, and then he says, I'm going to do something a little bit different with the way I lay mine out. I want to walk you through. I'm going to create a pattern in my gospel of seven different signs that Jesus did as he walked on earth, seven signs that he did as he performed miracles in the physical here and now, and I can't focus on all of the things. I just want to create this pattern as I walk you to this point because I want to build in you a belief that Jesus is the Christ. I want you to see the miracles that he did, and when you see the miracles that he did, I want you to know that he is God in flesh. And he said, I have these signs. These are signs that when you see them, when you hear them, when you notice them, they should point to Jesus. He said there are these miracles that Jesus did, and when you look at these miracles, I don't want you to get stuck on the miracle. I don't want you to get hung up on the miracle. I don't want you to start pursuing the miracle. I want you to pursue Jesus. The sign points you in the direction you should be walking. It points you in the direction you should be going. It points you in the direction that your destination is going to be. Can you imagine if you were going down a road and you saw a car and they were just stopped at like at a sign, just looking at it? I made it to the sign. Here I am, I'm at the sign. Well, I'm just waiting, looking at this sign for a while because I'm here, me and this sign. But that's how we do sometimes because we think that the signs are our destination. The signs are not our destination. The signs are an indicator that we are on the right path. The signs are a, an indicator that we are pointing towards Jesus. The signs are an indicator that say if you're looking for Jesus, this is the direction to go. When you see the miraculous happening in the here and in the right now, it is a sign for you. And part of what John is saying is Jesus did all of these signs in my day that told me that he is the Christ and part of what I want you to hear today is the same Jesus that did it then is the same Jesus that's in the room right now and the same sign in a new day is still pointing to Jesus when you see miracles signs and wonders they are pointing to the fact that Jesus is still the living God that Jesus is still reigning and ruling that Jesus is still working in the here and now that he's still brings life and that he still does signs that you might believe. And it should be the life of a believer to live in the miraculous, wonder-working power of Jesus. When we see these signs happening, there are a couple of things that we notice that are, are lead us to miracles. There are a couple of things that we can take out of what miracles indicate to us. Jesus repeatedly, when a miracle happens, it says his heart was moved with compassion. Compassion is part of the pathway to a miracle. It's part of the door to a miracle. It's part of what opens us up to being able to experience and move in the miraculous. It says his heart was moved with compassion. He saw someone. He was walking down a road and he saw someone crying out. And instead of having a hardened heart, he said, my heart was moved with compassion because he didn't want to see them living in their pain and in their suffering because he didn't want to see them linger any longer in the situation that they were in. When someone cried out to him, he heard the desperation in their voice. He looked past what was right in front of him and saw even deeper into them. And it said his heart was moved with compassion. I wonder when the last time your heart was moved with compassion towards another person was. When the last time you let yourself pause on the story on your feed long enough to really look at it and say, my heart is breaking for what's happening in this country. My heart is breaking for what's happening in that person's life. We have become so desensitized that we scroll, that we put a little cry emoji in the bottom of it and say, I'm sad for you, or a little care emoji to say, oh, I wish that I could give you a hug. And then we scroll on to the next one instead of letting our hearts be moved with compassion. There is a person on the other side of that pain. There is a person on the other side of. Of that longing, a person who is desperate to experience the presence of God, a person who is desperate to experience the healing of God, a person whose family and whose life is depending on the fact that there are some believers in the here and in the right now whose hearts would be moved with compassion and say there is a miracle available for your situation. I can't help but wonder if the skeptics and the sensationalists wouldn't have so much ammo if the people of God would put down their judgment and pick up their compassion. I don't care how they got there. I don't care if you think they deserve it. I don't care if they did it to themselves. I don't care if it's the system. I don't care what led to this moment because what I see in scripture is not a Jesus asking, well, I'd love to know the backstory on how you got in such a messed up situation. I don't see Jesus sitting and wondering, well, did your family of origin teach you the proper things that you needed? I see Jesus who looks and sees pain and his heart heart is moved with compassion for whatever got you to this situation, and when his heart is moved with compassion, it opens the pathway for a miracle, miracles, signs, and wonders that lead to life everlasting. When was the last time your heart was moved with compassion? Because when your heart is moved with compassion, a miracle comes into the space. And when a miracle comes into the space, it gives us a picture of the new creation that Jesus is walking us into. We tend to think of miracles as Jesus putting something new into what we live in right now like the natural for a second gets suspended so that the new can come in or something different can happen in fact it is jesus putting us back into his original intent His original intent was for death to never be part of the situation, for destruction to never be part of your life, for sickness and ill health to never be part of your equation. And so when he speaks into and steps into the situation and brings a miracle in, it is us getting a glimpse of the new that he is taking us into. That when he comes, he will bring a new creation and there will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more crying of your eyes. He gives us a glimpse into the new creation. And every time we see a miracle, it affirms who Jesus is to us. It affirms that He is the living God. It affirms that He is the Christ. It affirms that He has power over heaven and earth, that He has power to speak and everything has to alter. It affirms to us that He has the power to bring life and to give life and to take away the sins of the world. It is a sign. Of who he is. It is an indicator, it is an affirmation, it is a confirmation that Jesus is exactly who he said he was when he steps in and does what only he can do. And so, John wants to bring us to the place of belief. John wants to take us to a place where we say, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is who he said he would be. I believe that he is the living Christ. I believe that he has the same power. I believe in Jesus, that our faith would be stirred. He says, this is the whole point that I wrote the whole book. The reason I sat down to take this account is because I wanted you to believe. What I want us to do today is we're going to walk through these seven different signs that John lays out for us because I want our hearts to be stirred. And I want you to remember that John said, these are seven signs that I'm giving you that G- to affirm to you that Jesus can do what he said he could do. And I want you to remember that it is the same sign in a new day, that the miracles that John is speaking of are still available to the believer today, that if he was a miracle working God then he's still a miracle working God now and I want you to get in your mind I want you to get in your heart the places that you need God to move in your life because as our faith is stirred today and what he did then we're going to remember what he does now and we're going to believe that that miracle working God is going to show up in your situation because I know that he is the same miracle working God that he has signs for Today, just like he has signs for them then. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. The first sign in the book of John is that John walks into John. So we're not going to read all of these, right? I'm going to tell you where they're found. You can go read them later this week, but we've only got like 10 to 15 minutes, right? So can you lean back in your chair for a second? Now lean forward in your chair. That's the speed we got to go at, right? Unless you want to miss lunch. If you want to miss lunch, we'll hang out here all day. No. Let's go. Okay, John 2. In John 2, he walks us right into Jesus changing water into wine. Jesus is at this wedding. He got invited to a wedding, and this miracle is so interesting to me because it's the one where Jesus steps onto the scene, and when he steps onto the scene, it's actually not that he decided to step onto the scene. His mom tells him, I need you to get involved in what's going on here. They have run out of wine at the wedding, and it is imperative that they do not finish this wedding without the proper amount of wine. And I want you to get involved. So Jesus tells some servants, I want you to go take some pots and I want you to fill them up with water. And the servants fill these pots with water and they walk and they start pouring the water out. And as they pour the water out, he sees that they are pouring out wine into everyone in the room's glass and it gets even better than that. Then the host of the feast says, not only have you served wine, but the wine that you served is the best wine that you save for last? He said most people serve the good stuff up front when everybody can still tell. And while nobody can tell very well anymore, they try and slide in the cheaper wine. But whoever this is has saved the best. For last. And the thing about this miracle is that the people who, only the people who knew the miracle that was happening were the people who were involved. Jesus said, I'm going to start with those who are serving because the thing that I came to do is to serve. And those who knew where the wine came from were those who served. But what this tells me about Jesus is that he has miracles that can skip the process of time. Sometimes he uses the process, but wine takes a long time to get it to happen. You have to mash the grapes and you have to let them sit and you have to strain them and then you have to ferment them. It takes a long time to make wine but Jesus says when I step into a situation there are miracles that I can do in your life that are going to skip the process that it should have taken. There are miracles that can happen in your life that yes it might have needed a long time but I'm just going to go ahead. I know that you adopted that baby and that they told you it's going to take it seven years to catch up to the delay that they gave it but Jesus can step right into the middle of your situation and speed up the process that it ought to take with his miracle working power he doesn't need the time and there is an unmerited excellence on the miracles that Jesus did you didn't earn it you didn't deserve it you didn't work for it you didn't strive for it but baby when he gives you a miracle it's the best for last. It's the best thing that's going to show up. It's better than the way you would have done it. It's the better promotion than the one that you thought you wanted. It's the better house than the one that you looked at. There is unmerited excellence in the miracle working power of Jesus. And then John walks us right into John 4. And there's an official whose son is sick at home and he comes to see Jesus. And when he comes to see Jesus, he says, please come and see my boy. And Jesus says, I'm not going to come and see your boy, but I'm telling you, your boy is healed. Go home. He's healed. Come on. There is a Jesus who doesn't even have to be right up on you to heal you. If there's somebody who will stand there in your proxy, he can heal you on your behalf. He can just speak a word and send it and say there's healing coming your way. There's provision coming your way. It's a good line. Good news for the online community that you don't have to be right up on it. That there is no distance that separates the miracle working power of Jesus. If you claim it right where you are and miracle is coming to you and the man turned and went and while he was on his way he found out that his boy was healed at the moment that Jesus said it he was healed on the way and John 5 Jesus talks. He comes up to a lame man, a lame man sitting by a pool waiting for his turn to get into the pool. He's sitting there waiting because the pool apparently has miraculous powers. And if you're the first one in the pool, then perhaps your lameness can be healed. And he sits there, but there's no one to take him. And when Jesus asks him, if you go and read the story, the man has lost all hope he's been carrying this lameness the scripture tells us for 38 years he's been sitting there lame he's been sitting there without any hope he's been sitting there watching other people get their miracle watching other people get their baby watching other people's families be restored but sitting there with his legs still lame and there is a Jesus who comes and walks in the situation and says even if you've lost hope I'm still God even if you've let go of believing that I can show up for this I'm still the healer even if you're not sure if I can show up anymore I'm still the same God who heals bodies I'm still the voice that spoke in creation and brought all of being into everything that is Is through me all it takes is a word from his mouth and you can be healed if you can simply answer would you like to be healed today what do you need in this situation and there are those there are theologians who even say that there's a parallel to be drawn because it tells us the man was sitting there for 38 years. And in the same way, the children of Israel wandered in the desert for an extra 38 years because of a decision that they made. So there are those who say perhaps the man is sitting there by the pool because of a decision that he made. It doesn't tell us he was lame from birth. It says that he was sitting there for a long time time. Jesus is not concerned about whether or not the miracle that you need is because of your own decision. He is not concerned about what got you to this broken, messed up situation that you're in. He's concerned about would you like to be healed? Would you like to see a miracle? I don't care if it was a bad decision of a one night stand. Do you want your miracle right now? I don't care if you should have known better than to sign up for all that debt. Would you like a miracle? right here and right now I don't care if you rampaged your body when you knew you should have been treating it better would you like a healing right now the same sign for today as then would you like to be healed and the man said Jesus says, then pick up your bed and walk and the man picks up his bed and goes walking and people say aren't you the man who was lame and he says I sure am but I met a man named Jesus and he told me to walk and now my legs work like they didn't work before then Jesus goes into the desert he's actually trying to get away from everybody but everybody keeps following him because they keep hearing about these signs and they have to come see about the man if we would tell about the signs that we've seen multitudes would come and would follow the man who is worthy of being followed with all of our hearts and with, they would come from miles they would follow him into every situation like the multitude if we would tell them about the signs and the crowd had heard about the signs and they wander out outside of the city and when they get all the way out there, they have nothing to eat. Many of you know the story and they, the disciples start talking and Jesus tells them, what are you gonna feed them? And he's kind of teasing them because he knows what he's about to do. And the disciples say, the only thing that we can find is a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. And Jesus says, that's enough. That's all I need. Bring me whatever you have. And he brings, they bring him what he has and he feeds more than five thousand people with a couple fish and a couple bread because he just starts breaking it and blessing it and multiplying it and sending it out and there's so much left over because he's a God of abundance that they gather more in the end than they had to start with in the beginning. It's a reminder to us that Jesus has miracles for provision, that he has miracles for resources, that if you think your budget is stretched too thin, there is a miracle working God that will show up on your behalf if you will bring him what you have he will break it and he will bless it and he will multiply it and you will end up with more in the end than you started with in the beginning all it takes is a willing hand to say i'm gonna bring what i have to jesus and he comes straight from there. He sends his disciples out ahead of him on the boat. And they're like, what's Jesus doing? He's not coming on the boat with us. And they get in the middle of the storm. And all of a sudden they look out and they see Jesus walking on water come on he had shown them that he knew how to heal bodies and he had shown them that he could make some food he had shown them that he could make wine out of water he had shown them that he knew that he was God and all of the signs were pointing to the fact that he was in fact the Christ but he wanted them to know oh all of creation is under my feet all of creation has to respond when I speak to it if I want to walk on water just watch me get out here this is how I walk on the water because I'm the God who told the water that's where you go because I'm the God who told the land that's where you go if I want to make the water my pathway then I'll make the water my pathway and he started walking out on top of that water it's a reminder to us that all of creation has to respond to the voice of Jesus and I know this one seems a little bit too far fetched for you maybe you've seen somebody's arm healed maybe you've seen God show up in your finances but I want to remind you that he is the God that all of creation has to respond to it. I told you a few weeks ago about when we were running a camp and it looked like it was supposed to storm all day long and some of our team stood outside and said we've planned too much and there are too many families coming to this place. We speak to the atmosphere and say that the God who created it and the clouds broke and the sun rose and I want you to know that God cares about you. In 2016, we had all of Phil's side of the family coming over for a visit, and we were going to do a big Midwest winter extravaganza. But you know Midwest Ohio, the weather is like, who knows what you're getting today? right? And so Phil and I started praying. We said, God, we've put so much planning into this, and we don't get a lot of family time. We, God, what we want, we want to have a beautiful white Christmas. We want our Australian family to have the experience that we've been talking about, that we've been dreaming about. And I don't need, I know some of y'all are hating, but we had the most beautiful snow you have ever seen in your entire life. And I'm not just talking about we had beautiful snow. Like the day they landed, we had like six inches of fresh snow from the night before, but the sun was shining that day. We had all kinds of road trips planned. It did not snow or rain or sleet on any of our road trips, but we would get somewhere and get parked and it would start snowing all night long. I mean, the weather showed up for us. I don't know how he does it because that's why it's called a sign and a wonder. There are parts that I wonder about, but I know that Jesus showed up. If you come to him, even all of the atmosphere has to Respond to his voice. And there was another man, he was sitting on the side of the road and he started crying out because he hadn't been able to see for his entire life. And the disciples turned around and they started casting that judgment that I was talking about earlier. They wanted to know who's at fault, this man or his family for the fact that he's blind. And Jesus said, that's not even what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this man can't see and he needs to see. And he bent down and he made mud out of the ground, the same mud that he made that man from in the very beginning. And he spread it on his eyes and he said, go wash. And when you wash your eyes, you're going to be able to see again. And the man went and washed and he came back and it made so many people upset because Jesus did it on a day he wasn't supposed to do it on and because everybody's not going to be happy about the fact that you can see if they didn't have a chance to stick their hand into the pot of what was going on and the man said I don't know what to tell you about any of that what I know is that I was blind 20 minutes ago and I can see now what I know is that a man came and I was blind before I met him and I could see after I met him and it reminds me that Jesus is gonna to do miracles just because he's God just because he wants to get in the midst of your situation just because his heart is moved with compassion and he doesn't care did it come down your family line or did you mess up or all of the other questions that everybody else wants to know about it? and he doesn't care is it the right time or is it the right situation or should we wait till later or should there be a better day or a different season or a different hour he saw him and his heart was moved with compassion and because his heart was moved for with compassion for this man he said now you can see and the man walked away and he could see and then there was a man named Lazarus it's the seventh sign that John wants to make sure that he puts in his story in his account of who Jesus was. It's the seventh thing that he wants you to know when you know and stir in your heart a belief for exactly who Jesus is. He said there is this man, this man whose name was Lazarus, and he was a friend of Jesus. Jesus was friends with Lazarus and his two sisters, and his two sisters told Jesus about how Lazarus was getting very sick, and they knew that Jesus could heal the sick, so they said if you'll come while he's sick, then we think that you can heal him. We have belief that you can heal him but then Lazarus died and Jesus didn't come and scripture tells us that Jesus didn't come on purpose he waited until Lazarus died I wonder if your offense can keep you from seeing a miracle or if you can get over your offense at being upset that Jesus didn't show up when you wanted him to show up and perform the miracle that you wanted him to perform because he had something better in mind he waited he waited three days until they'd wrapped Lazarus up and they'd put him all the way in a tomb and they'd brought the flowers out and they'd sung the songs. He missed a funeral and everything and he finally showed up and Mary and Martha were not actually very pleased to see him because he didn't show up when they wanted him to show up and now their brother wasn't there but Jesus said, let's just keep moving. It says his heart was so moved with compassion when he saw his friend, when he saw his friends and their pain that Jesus wept in this situation but he still stayed on mission and he told them to move back the rock where Lazarus had been laying and he told them to move it out of the way and he began to speak the same God who spoke at the beginning of creation the same God who had been speaking everywhere that he went telling about the kingdom of God is now at hand he spoke and he simply said Lazarus come forth and as he began to speak, all of heaven and earth had to move and respond to his voice. And suddenly, Lazarus stood up and he came walking out of a three-day-old grave. And Jesus wanted everyone to know, even over death do I have power. Even over death do I have strength. Even over death does my bo- has to respond to my voice. Because life is what's in the voice of Jesus. Life is what you find. John said, I want you to believe so that you can have life. The enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy but Jesus came that you might have life and he said I came into this place for you to experience all of life. This is a reminder for me Lazarus is a reminder that the miracles of God work in times when premature death comes and tries to knock at your door and we are believing that the God of miracles will show up. That the God of miracles is going to speak and is going to Move in any situation where death comes, tries to come before it is its time, and Jesus is going to show up in that situation. I speak against the spirit of miscarriage in this place right now. I speak against accidents that try and come and take you before your time. I speak against the spirit of suicide that would try and take you out. I speak against the spirit of abortion trying to take out generations. All of the premature death that is of the hand of the enemy have to remember and line up with the faith in Jesus Christ that he is the God of miracles and he is going to work a miracle on your behalf he is going to work a miracle in that situation that the same signs that there were for that day are the same signs that you have for today on all the people of God who can to stand to your feet as we pray as we believe as we set our hearts on the fact that he is the same God that he is the same God.